Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Future is Bilingual podcast. My name is Heather. I hope everybody is doing well today. I'm very excited to release this first interview of 2021. And as you can see from the episode title, it is part one. So Itai and I had so much to talk about that it was just not possible to fit it into one episode. So part two will be coming out very soon. But for now, let's listen to part one. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Welcome, everyone, to the Future is Bilingual podcast. I have a special guest today who I've been chatting with through email for a long time, and I'm very excited to finally have him on the podcast with all of you so that you can learn and I can learn even more about him because he is a fascinating person. And I want to welcome Itai. <laughs> Hello, Heather. It's a pleasure to be here with you finally. Yes. Pleasure to connect. Always wonderful. So why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself? A little bit about myself. Okay, so I was born in um, in 1977 in uh, our Armistice Day of 1977, uh, which, for those of you who don't know, is November 11th in Israel. And at the age of six months, my parents and grandparents uh, began noticing that I was having um, difficulty physically. Mm -hmm. holding up my head, sitting up, crawling, and so on. That was, that was difficult. And it, they took me to several um, doctors at the time. And the diagnosis ranged from, you know, it's a, uh, a simple, uh, barely noticeable limp, mm -hmm. or that's what the doctors, you know, the prognosis was, to the child has no hope put him in a in an institution and leave him alone oh gosh uh, yeah so it was it was really and it took about you know the family by what i you know from what i've heard stories uh it took about 18 months to figure out that i had something called cerebral palsy now cerebral palsy is a condition that affects well it can affect the brain as a whole and they call it cerebral palsy because it, it obviously it affects the cerebrum, which is the part of the brain that, you know, that deals with, with all of the higher functions. It's classified as a developmental disability. So that means it can affect anything from physical uh, mobility as it does with me. I'm a wheelchair user. Mm -hmm. uh, and it can also affect speech and it can affect cognition. In my case, I was lucky. Mm -hmm. uh, as you can tell, I tend to ramble, and I can do that in several languages, and we'll get to that in a minute. Mm -hmm. So spe my speech and cognition are not and were never affected. Uh, but So with me, it was only physical. Mm -hmm. And so since my, my, my family, uh, you know, Jewish family from, uh, you know, in, in the, in the post-World War II era, um, a lot of us ended up in Israel, which means we, uh, a lot of us immigrated to Israel. Uh, you know, my grand grandparents on my father's side, my grandfather uh, came from Germany in 1936 uh, to Israel. And then my grandparents on my mother's side, uh, he, my grandfather, may he rest in peace, is uh, Polish. And my grandmother what, uh, is, is a Litvak uh, from mm -hmm. Lithuania. And so immigration as, you know, 
is part of the Jewish yes. story. Story. Uh, mm -hmm. yeah, and and so for us to to immigrate, I would say it's sort of in our you know it's to say it's in our blood. I think would be the best way to say it. So mm -hmm. um, in in uh, and and so given that I had this diagnosis that finally you know was elucidated about 18 months later my parents decided for several reasons but chiefly uh, for for medical reasons for you know to get me the best treatment possible to move us to the united states and so uh, two months before my third birthday on uh september 19th 1980 we uh we landed in new york and went to uh, New Haven, Connecticut. So we ended up in Connecticut uh, because we had a uh, family who sponsored us. My mother's and an aunt and uncle of my mother's decided, you know, to sponsor us. So that's how we ended up in in New Haven area. Yeah, in New Haven at the time. So family lore goes that for the first six months of being in the states, all I knew was Hebrew. Mm -hmm. And my mother had to uh, go uh, uh, with me to kindergarten or, yeah, I, at the time, I guess it was preschool, mm -hmm. uh, you know, to, to serve sort of as translator, oh, yeah. interpreter, interpreter, sorry. Mm -hmm. uh, but within six months, I had picked up English to such a degree that I was already correcting their English. Wow. So I was, I was correcting my parents' English within six months so i've heard within, of that happening but never that young and that fast wow that's impressive I'm... so so that that's not that's another thing like you know it's it's all about the stories we tell ourselves and, and how we sort of you know the, the the picture and the sense that we get of ourselves as we're growing up and mm -hmm. and that's sort of how we how we look at ourselves so somehow you know my my parents and and my my extended family also and those around me decided and i don't know if this is if this is particular to to our family or it's just you know particular it's a particular a particularism of the of, of of the jewish culture in general but everybody decided that as as the firstborn i was going to be a genius and i was going to be a lawyer and a doctor and a physicist and you know yeah rising to the top etc cetera, etc cetera. so they decided that i was just a genius, mm -hmm. but particularly with languages. Um, and that's sort of the image that I have of myself. Uh, and so it's always been, languages have always been something that I've seen as very easy for me and that I can master very, very quickly. Mm -hmm. And in comparison with, with all the other skills that I have to, that I've had to master in my life, particularly the physical skills, um, and, and other things, it's it's been a very different different story with with the physical skills and so on. It's been a challenge, but languages has always been something that I that that I was told from the beginning and thus convinced myself that I could do and and excel at and succeed with, and so I did. Mm -hmm. um, apparently, my first word, <laughs> other than Abba Ima, which mm -hmm. is uh, mother father in Hebrew was, and this is just slightly after the age of three, was encyclopedia. Oh, wow. <laughs> and I have, 
And apparently I knew what that was mm -hmm. at the time. So yeah, I don't know. I'm, I, I guess I'm a freak, but I'm, I, in, in that sense, but I'm happy to let that sort of that freak flag fly. Yeah, uh, and in, I think many listeners would maybe feel um, very like similar to this, that they enjoy learning languages, that it comes easy to them. People may have told them that that's crazy. Um, you speak so many languages, things of that nature, or um, I think yeah, a lot of people I mean, identify with you that they don't mind carrying that freak flag of being a language nerd. I hope that many of our listeners feel that way. I, I hope so too. And and please join us. And and we're yes. here. We're here for you. And the the more the more the merrier. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. It's interesting to me because one of the first things that I'll often tell people as I'm introducing myself, you know, sort of my tagline, you know, or my <laughs> elevator pitch is I speak eight or nine languages and counting. Mm -hmm. And most Americans will go, how, wow, what the heck? Yeah, because yeah. in my experience, Americans generally find that awe-inspiring. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, that's nice. I've never understood it exactly, but I'll be mm -hmm. awed by it and so on. But it's, it's interesting, you know, I often lead with, with how many languages I speak and the degrees that I have. And, and I don't know if, I don't know exactly how I feel about this, but it, I, I do it as a as sort of a, a means of either deflecting from or, you know, or, or, or making them, making people look past the disability. Mm -hmm. Because oftentimes when I see somebody in a motorized wheelchair and I've had, I've had situations like this more times than I can count, um, you know, when, when my wife and I are, are out, um, people will talk to her and not to me. Uh, people will, will, will have, have talked to me in, in you know, have um, infantilized me, you know, uh, in, 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 you know, doctors will talk to her and not to me, even though they're talking about me. This is so uh, important. I don't think people realize, I think many people maybe have done this in their lives and they don't even realize they're doing it so it's right. so important it's so so important that you're bringing this up um because yeah it's something that most people would even overlook if they were maybe they didn't do it but they see somebody doing it i yeah i think it's just we need to be more conscious that you know everyone is yeah. a person everyone has the right to be spoken to and listens to you know, even heard, if they have a yeah. speech, you know, you don't have a speech impediment, but people that have speech impediments, they deserve to be listened to, even if it takes them a little longer to utter their right. sentence, you know, it's right. right. And so, and so, you know, I sort of use, I, I, and I've always used my, my, my intelligence and my, my facility with languages sort of as a, as a look what I can do. And oh, by the way, I just happen to be in a chair. Right. But since I since I have all these things, would you start looking at me as a human being, please? Mm -hmm. You know, and even then, that's been a struggle. Yeah. You know, over I the years. I think it's good that you're direct. You know, going straight to the matter. Like I am a sentient being. Like I look at all this intelligence I have. You don't maybe see it in this physical image you're getting. You're assuming right. a lot about me based on what you're seeing, and you know, you have to immediately tell them, like, nope, that's not true listen to this, you know. But on the other hand, I would love to get to a point where my first sentence is not 
my name is Itai and I speak eight, 10 languages and counting, and I have three degrees and counting, you know, and on the other hand, I've never been, never been able to hold a job, not because I'm undereducated. I have, you know, I have, and, and I even noticed myself doing this with you now, and I, I, part of me hates it, but I have three degrees. I have two bachelor's degrees, mm -hmm. you know, a, a bachelor's degrees and two master's degrees. Wow. You know, it's not like I'm not, like I'm uneducated. Mm -hmm. I've never been able to hold down a job. How and why that is maybe another story, but there's, I, I would love to get to a point where I wouldn't have to, where I don't have to sort of justify or exactly. advertise my existence, you know, mm -hmm. justify my existence is, okay, this is, look at everything that I'm worth because I have all these things. Right. And even, and even because, even, even with all these things, I've not fit the, the, I've not done what is, may be expected in, in, in Western society of holding a job and supporting them and so on. So, But I think this speaks a lot more to our societal view of how people should be, you know, what people should do with their lives. I think that speaks a lot more to the assumptions that we make more than, you know, you as a person. So I think a lot of people, I, I agree. I'm thinking of my friends just, if they're not married yet, I'm in my mid thirties. I know a lot of them are feeling the pressure, like, I'm in my mid thirties and I haven't got married. There's so many societal pressures or, you know, we haven't had a kid yet. So I'm in that age group as well of friends having, having children. Right. And there's all these pressures that society can give us. And yeah, I think it's it just, it's more about society and our wrongful assumptions of what the thirties should look like or what your forties should look like or what, you know, a, a career what, should yeah. look like. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 And, and so and I, and so I, I would love to get to a point where where all of this shifts and 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 all I, and and what I have to say is hello my name is Itai and and hello nice you, you are <laughs> and, and and you and you are Heather and let's let's see how we can connect from there right. and not with all these not with all these fifty two you know justifications you know of of my existence before mm. beforehand. However, uh, but, I am interested in all your languages, <laughs> yes, so it was and, pertinent to tell me of all the, right, the languages right, you speak. Right, and and that's why we're here, and and so, but I, I thought that was important just to get to get all that out because it's it's very much a part of who I am and how I how I enter the world, mm -hmm. right? But you we know, should but, say, Itai, you don't learn languages to prove to people that you can learn languages, correct? No. My my sense of things is that I play with languages. Mm -hmm. I, I literally I literally play with them. Why? Because I can. Because it's fun. Because it's something that I don't have to struggle with. Thank God. It's one of the few things I don't have to struggle with. I would love for it to to generate some money for me at some point, mm -hmm. but you know, but that's another topic altogether. So I, I I do it I do it because I because again because I can because it's fun because it's something that 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 I've convinced myself in my own narrative that, mm -hmm. it's, that it's something I can do, so I do it. And I uh, think the more languages you know, the funner it gets because the more connections that you see between languages. So the, learning that first language and you were so young, I'm sure you don't remember going from Hebrew to English, but people like me who learned French in middle school, high school for the first time, picking up another language, we struggled, you know, a lot of us struggled and it was like so much grammar. Um, but I, now that I, I know yeah. French, Spanish, and I'm looking at Italian, I'm like, oh, this is a piece of cake. This is like French. This is like Spanish. So I think right. it gets more fun the more you know. Right. 
Absolutely. I mean, I wish I could tell you that I had, I don't, I, I don't remember ever really mm. uh, outside of being an adult struggling with the language mm. uh, because I, I had, I already had Hebrew and English. Right. So when, when in, when in middle school, I started with French, mm-hmm. oh, it was just, you know, for me to, to, to code switch, right. Yeah. Was very, was, it was easy. I mean, mm-hmm. I had no, I had nobody with whom to, to practice the French, but we, we were, we were sitting in classes and, and we, and, and I, you know, I, academically, I always excelled somehow too. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, you know, I think there's a secret there. Can I just interrupt you for a second? By all Um, means. A lot of people that excel when they learn a language is they start thinking in their head and self-talking. So when you said you have nobody to talk to, I think that's very common for people of all ages when they're studying languages. So the best thing you can do, I used to tell my students, is to try and think in that language, to change the way, and you probably did it faster automatically yeah you probably just did it versus the other students but i think that's one of the best ways is to just that self-talk that we all do that we're unconscious of start being conscious of it and then start translating like oh i have to make dinner and then you know think it in the next language like oh je dois faire le repas yeah and and that's the thing is i what a lot of people i notice do and i just haven't done I never translated in my head, mm. whatever level, and I don't know what what level. I mean, I never did the A A one to. I, I, what's that test called? Um, the, so the, the, the European system has A one, A two, B one, A two, C one, C two. I don't know what it's for, called. European standard. Right. So I never, I never actually, I've never tested my skill level or my ability level on that scale. So mm-hmm. I don't on, with with any language. Mm-hmm. So I can't measure that for you, but yeah. I've never, regardless of whatever language I, I picked up, I've never translated in my head. It was that's, always just, oh, that's what that means in pick your language. Mm-hmm. And that's such uh, a good and, step to skip because so many students fall into the trap and then they can't get out of it. And then they're constantly translating everything word for word. And um, that's... And, and that's impossible. I mean, not impossible. I mean, it makes it... it there Incomprehensible. Are so many, there, <laughs> in, yeah, it makes it... I mean, there are so many things, and, and, and you know this, that, that, you know, that you that are, you can't translate. There are so many... Um, I have the word in Hebrew now. Okay. Uh, um, so many, what are we trying to say? Uh, like sentences. idiomatic expressions that yeah, don't okay. translate. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, yeah. <laughs> there are idioms that mm-hmm. don't translate for sure and and there's so many things that you miss you know in the flavor of the language and when you translate that you know when you go word for word translating it's you you miss all the flavor and the depth and the the all of the i don't know the the the, the fun the richness yeah but eventually <laughs> the, the, those students we don't want to if you're in a phase like that we're not trying to say like this is horrible we're saying you got to get out of that trap because yeah I, mean, you know, the fa- I can the, relate the, the, to being in that trap and you just have to climb out of it and then you'll progress more right right and and, and there, there there is a wall that you eventually hit and everybody has to sort of navigate yeah. it in their own way i mean there are ways to there are ways to do that and you've talked about techniques to do that and, and those are very those are extremely valuable techniques uh and everybody sort of has to find their own way to do it 
a lot of the way that I work with languages, and, and we've talked about this too, is, you know, I have to find an emotional connection to a language. Mm -hmm. And the minute that I have an emotional connection to a language, and I, I, and I, I feel the language, and, you know, and, and I have some sort of a connection to it, then I, I sort of navigate with it. Mm -hmm. in, in, in some way, shape or form. Like, so we started to talk about, you know, what languages do I know and, and, and the order in which I sort of <laughs> learned them. Mm -hmm. um, so French, I picked up in junior, I started in junior high school, mm -hmm. through high school and into undergrad, into parts of undergrad at UConn. Now at the same time, and I have to, I have to go back a little bit because, <clears throat> and so, during during my you know when I was when I was younger, um, beginning when I the summers when I was nine through about uh, bar mitzvah age through okay. thir 13. through thirteen fourteen, my parents sent me uh, to Israel, like they did with uh, with Michal to, mm -hmm. to, in, yeah. to Poland, yep. uh, like Michal would go to Poland every every year, uh, I would go in the summers. I would go to Israel. And so that's how I would spend my summers. And I had both sides of my of my family there. So I would spend the week I would spend with my mother's parents in in Natanya, and the weekends I would spend in Ranana with my with my father's parents. Now, so you were father, sent alone, just like Miha was, just yeah, put on I a was, plane. So I at, at the age of nine, and, and and this was so exciting. I was sent on a plane. I would and and put him on it, and, and you couldn't do this now because of all the 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 different you know, ways of regulations, the, yeah. the, the world is today and so on. But uh, so you have a situation where I went on a plane and I would just show up there and, mm -hmm. and spend the summer. Mm -hmm. uh, so, so I would spend, I would spend uh, the week with my mother's parents. And there, uh, there was a lot, there was obviously Hebrew uh, and my grandparents being Holocaust survivors spoke Yiddish. Mm -hmm. And so I sort of, again, picked up Yiddish by osmosis and I got tired of not understanding what they were saying <laughs> between themselves. I started asking questions. Yeah, the secret language. Now, <laughs> right. So, and, and that's sort of how I figured out, figured out Yiddish. Yiddish, for those of you who don't know, is sort of the best way I can describe it is Ju a Judeo-Hebrew. Mm -hmm. it's, it's a market language that started among the Jews of Central and Eastern Europe between them to make, to, so that they wouldn't know, so that it was a way of, of keeping the, the non-Jews out of, out, of, out of their business. And so Yiddish started that way. Mm -hmm. um, and tell let, us let, about let, like, what does it sound like versus what does it look like? Because I think people might so not know. All language is a living entity, right? Mm -hmm. And it evolved and so on. But Yiddish is, is, based, in, is based in German. Mm -hmm. So it sounds a lot like German, but there are also many, many other words from other languages. Like I never knew until I looked at Polish that schmatte, mm -hmm. to me, to me, a schmatte is a schmatte. Yep. You know, a schmatte is, 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 a, is a, what is a it? Rag. A, a, a rag. English, a rag. Yeah. A rag. A schmatte is a schmatte. I think a schmatte in Yiddish, everybody knows a schmatte. And, and then I'll listen to schmatte. You know, I sort of started to pick up Polish, and how I did that, we'll, we'll get to that. Mm -hmm. But all of a sudden, schmatty Polish, 
oh, yep. okay. Yep, you that know? happened the same thing with my family. My mom always used the word schmata in the house for rag. And then I started dating my now husband who's Polish and he heard her say schmata and she was like, what? Why does your Why does your mom say schmata? Where did Where did you Where did schmata come into this yeah, process? All my mom right. doesn't speak any Polish, so that was shocking. Right, exactly. So, so that's what Yiddish is, and and so it's a it's a it, like I said, it's a Judeo Hebrew. Mm-hmm. Ladino, on the other hand, is a Judeo Spanish, which is oh, but Yiddish is written with Hebrew. Yiddish letters. is written. Yiddish is written in Hebrew characters. Yes, with Hebrew characters. Mm-hmm. So. When I would spend the, the the week in Natanya, I would hear Yiddish, and I would hear some Polish. You know, some Polish. The, the extent of the Polish that I had, we would we would play often. Do you do you know or do you remember Rummy Cube, at all? That sounds so familiar. It's like a card game, mm-hmm. but it, it's with with tiles and with numbers and so on. Okay. My my grandfather. Every time he counted the tiles, he would count it in Polish. Oh yeah. So I knew. So I I, I picked up dwa, cztery, sześć, and so these are these are things that that you know were running around in my head. Mm-hmm. So I became aware of Polish, but much more you know. But Pol- but Yiddish was what what Saben Safta Ida and Marek spoke in Natania. Now, during the weekends, I went to Ranana, to my father's parents. Mm-hmm. My father's parents, my father's father's family is from Germany. Mm-hmm. And my father's, my, my paternal grandfather and I, we had a very, also a very close relationship, based very differently though. He, he started, he wrote, he put together a, a, a book, like a, a first draft of a book of our family chronicle. that traces our family, get this, all the way back to 1649 in Germany, up until until about 1990. And he saw my interest in it. And about around the age of 12, during one summer, when he was about to finish it, he said, look, uh, and, you know, and this was before he got sick with leukemia and everything. He was Mm -hmm. okay at the time, everything, you know. But in 1989, that's when he said, look, when I'm gone, the, and, and so he wrote the book in Hebrew and in German. Mm-hmm. He said, when I'm gone, your job, he, he gave me this job at the age of 12, okay? Wow. He said, your job is to take this book and to translate it and to keep it going wow. at the age of 12. No pressure. So, <laughs> well, yes and no. I mean, what else did I have to do? I, you know, I didn't go, I didn't play soccer. I didn't, you know, mm-hmm. and I... And I, I was always in my head. So for me, it was, it was pressure. Yes, it was, but it was also fun. Mm-hmm. So, so I had this assignment in the back of my head. And so I began sort of, you know, playing with how to translate it and so on. Um, but eventually I started to realize that if I'm going to do this seriously, I have to also pick up German. Okay. So you didn't know any German at this point. No, <laughs> but no. So I, so <laughs> you want you want to hear a trick? Yeah. So, uh, so, the, uh, so remember, junior high and high school. Mm-hmm. Uh, all of all of junior high and high school, I've already got French under my belt. Right. So my junior year of of of, of high school, I began. T- I, I was in French three at the time. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
And I decided, okay, I'm also going to take German one. So nice. I took French, French three and German one at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, and over, the, over that summer, between junior and senior year, mm-hmm. I, I taught myself ger- the second level of German. Mm-hmm. And, the way, and so in senior year, I was taking fourth year French and third year German. Wow, that's awesome. Now, I talked to you before about the emotional connection with the languages. Yep. Because I had the, the, much more of the emotional connection with the German, and a lot of my family is still in Germany and so on, and, and, and so my German quickly became much better and it became much easier, you know, for mm-hmm. me than the French. And, and my French, unfortunately, is to sort of in mothballs. But, but that's, so that's how I picked up German. Now, so what happened with German? I kept looking for ways to make it, to, to, to give myself a way of, of publishing this book and making a, an academic study of it. Mm-hmm. I went to Yukon up in stores, never managed somehow to, to, to get it public, to, to, to make the book into the academic project I, I dreamed to make, another story altogether. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Also having to do with ableism and, and uh, I'm it, right? But um, but so so but but what happened was I so I I really got into the German and the German language and the German culture and I made a an individualized major in undergrad. Oh. It, it became German Jewish history. That's cool. So I created German Jewish history mm-hmm. and I also, and because I, what else am I going to do but use my noodle, <laughs> I continued and went on to, to the master's level at UConn because I was scared to go anywhere else basically. And my first master's is in comparative literature. I took the comps but never did a thesis. Okay. But, but the reason I did it, and I never, I, I never entirely figured this out to my, to my satisfaction, but what I what I noticed was a, a tendency, and, and this began with 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 my family too, was that there were that so many Germans, you know, there were Germans before they were Jews. There were a lot of people are Jews before they're anything else, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but and and I never understood this 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 idea of how can how can you know after all the 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 the, the experiences of 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 Nazism and so on, how can somebody decide to go back and, and make a life there as a Jew? Mm. And so I tried to figure this out through literature, mm-hmm. through the post through through the post Holocaust, you know, yeah. um, degree. So that's how that's how German happened. Mm-hmm. And and how everything else happened, I don't know because it was fun. So I left I left Connecticut. Mm-hmm. In two in two thousand and four, and I went to to California to Los Angeles. Wow, outside because, of the country. <laughs> because well, because the other dream that I always had was to be a rabbi, mm-hmm. and so it finally looked like it was going to happen. And I mean, that's another story altogether. I I've been in the process of writing my memoirs for years, and it's just eventually it'll all come out and, and, and mm-hmm. it'll make sense it'll make sense and then you'll read it and, and 
we can talk about it. Yeah. Um, but it, it, like I said, it's a complicated story. But so I ended up in California. In uh, the rabbinate didn't work, mm-hmm. and I went. And I went. Eventually, I went into the into the third masters. And so, one of the one of the things that I quickly realized was that in order to make myself more marketable, especially in California, we had thought to stay there. Mm-hmm. Again, another very long story, mm-hmm. <laughs> but a lot of it having to do with my disabilities and the struggles there, which is why I say none of this is, we can't really, you know, take any of this, disentangle it from, from right. itself. Right. Um, but I, I thought, okay, in order to make myself more marketable, I'm going to pick up Spanish. So I, I with Rosetta Stone, I taught myself Spanish. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, yeah, there's so many similarities being a French and Spanish teacher. Right. It's, and there's so many differences too. It's not to say that if you speak French, you'll automatically speak Spanish. No, but you can much more easily learn it. If you already know one, you can easily pick up exactly. the other. And, 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 and given that I sort of, you know, had the, had the groundwork of, you know, the circuitry was wired correctly for once, you know, in my head, uh, with the language circuitry. Yep. For me to pick it up was, was, is less of an issue. Mm-hmm. Um, so I picked it up and, you know, we talk about, we talk about the, the sort of the emotional connection. I can get, I can get by in Spanish, you know, I, I can certainly understand, um, you know, being in South Dakota in the middle of winter, in the middle of, co- of Corona, <laughs> and especially in my condition, you know, the way I pick, I, the way I interact with languages now mostly is passively, you know, mm-hmm. through, through YouTube videos, through Net- Netflix is a great way for me to do that. Yep. Uh, I don't often get a chance to actually speak with people. So there's a lot of attrition going on, mm. even, I mean, even in Hebrew, mm. which, you know, so um, I, you know, we, we can talk about how often and, and with whom I speak what and so on yeah. later. But So I can get by in Spanish, but I'm, my, my, I don't have quite as much of a pull to Spanish as I do to German. Mm-hmm. My, my French, unfortunately, is a lot rustier than I would like. Yeah. Uh, I can, I understand, you know. Um, I think this but, is a problem with polyglots who have, if you have more than just one foreign language or two foreign languages, you have to maintain, you know, all of these languages that you have a certain degree of, you know, oh. fluency and it's, they are going to yeah. wax yeah. and wane with how much you're using them with, if you're able to just, you know, if you're speaking with your parents more then your Hebrew is going to get better. And, and, and like you said, it also depends on the level. And like you, you've talked about on, on, on several episodes of what level of language is it, you know, if like, if you're speaking Polish to the kids in the house, it, it be, you, you're talking about about get dressed, about go to the bathroom, about brush your teeth, about about toothpaste, you know, yeah. about about things like this. But you know, which which is very different from talking about you know abstract ideas, right. you know, academically. Yep, uh, this is so exactly it, what I was talking about. How my French is it's very academic, and I can right, you know right. defend a thesis in French, and then. You know, when I go to say like basic words, you know, I'm forgetting animals. Like I'm trying to speak more French with my kids and I have to look up all no, these random no. animals. I know them in Polish now because we talk about 
beavers and whoever all the time, storks and I don't know, just random. You talk about you. I've never talked about beavers in Polish. What's a beaver? A uh, bubr. Ah, okay. Um, uh -huh. Paulina from Polski Daily, if she's listening, she had she's got this obsession recently with them. <laughs> I don't with, know why. With, with with beavers, okay. Bubr, yeah, it's kind of a weird okay. word for English. Excellent. Speakers, uh, <laughs> you know, there's there's a, what's the word? And I, I, I'm, I'm losing it now, but the word for drum in Polish is benben. Benben. Mm -hmm. For some reason, when I, I picked it up, I, I heard it for the first time in, in Rosetta Stone when I was picking it up. I mm -hmm. decided to pick it up as, as a means of sort of connecting to, to my Polish grandfather who's been dead for, for a while. But I heard, and it stuck in my head. I, I It was, I don't know, there's some certain words that stick in your head. Onomatopoeic, like it's the sound that a drum would make, like ben, ben. <laughs> And it, and it just, I, I love the word. It, just, yeah. it makes so, it, it feels so, so much, it, like it makes so much sense. But that's another uh, one. I was trying to say that in Spanish. I was doing a bilingual thing tambor. with kids. Oh, tambor. I couldn't think of it on the spot. Like they were like, oh, grab tambor. your drum. And I was like, ah, like only the tambor. full word was coming. Okay. Tambor. Tambor. See? Tambor. Uh, and how that came into my head at the moment, you know, it could have easily come. 500 other words into my head, right. you know. And again, this is this is sort of how it's a, it's a beautiful salad that's in my head, and I never know what word is going to come out come out of my head at any at any given time, which is fascinating because I really, you know, we you know, it's just my wife and and myself and 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 the cat, mm -hmm. and, you know, and so especially here, you know, South Dakota, not many people, and and, and with the corona. With the corona, we 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 you know connecting with even less people, but even so, you know, I'll start a sentence, and and you've had this experience. I'll start a sentence in one language, go through all ten of the all ten that I currently have, and somehow come to the end of the sentence. Mm. And I, and I can't tell you how many times Lisa, my wife, has said, "That's not English," oh. <laughs> and I have to go, "Oh." Uh, you know, I have to code. Give me a second. But, yeah, I gotta find right, that right word. Gotta gotta find gotta find the word. Um, but it so so I mean, but that's part of the fun, you know. Hmm. So I picked up Spanish. I I can I I manage with Spanish if I have to, mm -hmm. uh, and I really don't understand my I don't understand my emotional dynamic with Spanish entirely, hmm. and and I would love to, and I'm sort of exploring that. I, I don't know, I don't know what it is with Spanish. I get it. Right. Yeah. Um, but so Spanish, Spanish, I've got sort of under my belt. Italian, we've talked about Italian before. Mm -hmm. um, Italian, I find beautiful. Me too. My father's mother, I can make educated guesses in Portuguese. Mm, yeah, obviously. <laughs> so, 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 okay. So, and I can get very lost in Portuguese as well. I can think I know what's happening. And then realize. And, right. And then it's completely whoops. Yeah. And then there's that word that looks nothing like any of the languages I know. <laughs> right. So I started. And then at some point, I said to myself, you know what? I don't have a Slavic language under my belt yet. It's time to attack a Slavic language. So and you figured, have oh. you have three families, though. You have what is Hebrew considered? Um, what's the word for that? Hebrew Hebrew is considered is considered a mother tongue. Okay, so there's, well, the Hebrew, Arabic, um, I don't know what oh, other Semitic, languages are. Semitic. Semitic, sorry, that's the word. So you have mm. Semitic, you have Romance, German. you have Germanic, well, English is also Germanic. So now Slavic, okay. Well, so, so, so I, I, so I, okay. So it's interesting. So I, 
I decided I don't have a I don't have Slavic I don't have a Slavic language under my belt. The reason I picked up Polish, other than other than the fact that it was a connection to my to my maternal grandfather, and I wish now that I had asked him when he was alive to teach me more Polish, but it was more about Yiddish and Hebrew in in, in the house. But um, I I decided to look at Polish first rather than Russian because I figured okay. Latin alphabet mm-hmm. would make more sense than trying to learn the Cyrillic. I don't know if that's true or not. I got through the Rosetta Stone Polish mm-hmm. twice. Oh, well. I understand. I understand it, mm-hmm. but I have to tell you, and I can feel myself running, coming up against a wall in Polish. Mm-hmm. I li- I listen to the radio. I watch the video, the YouTube videos movies in, on Netflix in Polish, I have to, there's there's a certain point at which I have to force myself to stay in Polish because I run up against the wall and I get frustrated. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, because I very easily switch to German or, you know, some, something that's easier for me, something I already have. Mm-hmm. But I have to, so right now I'm, I'm up against the wall in Polish. Yeah, you got to break it, through that. And I haven't, I haven't figured out how to do that yet, but I'll get there eventually. Yeah, that uh, time. So that's how I picked up, you know, and like I said, the Polish I had, I only had like a few words here and there, like when we would play Rummy Cube, like I said mm-hmm. earlier. Apparently, a way of figuring out what your mother tongue is, is what language do you count in? <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. There's something about it. Counting and swearing, <laughs> those are the two. Well, swear that the counting, yeah. And every time Saba, every time my grandfather would count the tiles, dwa, štere, šest, you know. So I learned two, four, six, all of a sudden eight, yeah. you know. Those those are the words I knew. I knew schmatte, <laughs> right? There were, there, but but those were words I thought, okay, that's Yiddish. Turns out mm. it's Polish. Mm-hmm. Um, I also started to look at Russian, and you know. I don't know why, because again, it's fun. We share that drive. I've always, since college, um, I always said like, I want to have like one of each type of language. Like, okay, I have English, Germanic, French is romance. I was learning Polish. So I had, you know, a Slavic language. And then I was like, I need to learn an African language and an Asian language and then a Semitic right, language. Right. I, I had that like goal as a, a language that, nerd. Somehow the drive. I don't, I don't know how it works or why it works. It's just, it's something I can do. It's something that's less of a struggle. It's something I feel successful in. I feel like I can excel with, you know, and, and it's something that gives me a break, mm-hmm. you know, from, from life, which is life. Yeah. yeah. You know, and, and, has, and has always been life, but is now even more so life than it has been before. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Um, I also find the different ways that the language, like a lot of languages will be similar, like the Slavic all have similar ways that they function. I find that to be really interesting when you look across different families, because if you just know romance, like they're all really similar. Um, But if you kind of go across all the different families, you see the different ways that they function. And and you're missing a dimensionality of only in one branch. So, and this is another thing is, is once you, once you know one, uh, you know one language, <clears throat> and and you talked about about this. There's a there's an academic term for it. 
like stacking language stacking mm. is that it i think so, so yeah so once you once you you know you start to say oh this is this this word exists in german which is similar to this in dutch which mm -hmm. and and so you you start build. to stack and yeah. and you build and and so and so that's and those connections are fun to mm -hmm. find oh this is the word you oh that makes sense the word is like this it's it's just it's fun it's a playground it's yes i i so i don't know i'm a geek that way you're a geek i'm glad oh, yeah. we met i'm glad <laughs> we met in this in this way um, so, so i mean so yeah so i mean that's that's sort of where that's sort of where it is and or even just I, understanding like different because german they add a lot of parts to a word so when you break down all the parts you can kind of understand i don't speak german right. but i've heard and like turkish i think adds a lot of um, prefixes and suffixes that way. I just think it's it's so fascinating how languages work differently. Absolutely, absolutely, and how they evolve and how they, they change. And mm -hmm. it's it's just it's one of these things that like, oh wow, you know. And, yeah. and once you make the connection, I don't know. Yeah, the light bulb. Uh, oh, I get uh, it. That makes uh, sense. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, a lot of a lot of this for me is very much is very intuitive. Mm -hmm. languages and it, it's interesting because you know lisa my wife is is sort of the opposite with me in terms of languages she finds it very 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 much of a challenge mm -hmm. and she's always telling me well can you teach me you know hebrew or <laughs> you know because she hears me speaking hebrew so it's very interesting <clears throat> we you you we talked about you know what languages we speak with whom mm -hmm. yeah right so so and, and, and attrition and so on mm -hmm. so with my parents i it's very weird to me to address them in anything other than hebrew mm -hmm. on the other hand my my parents my sisters are younger than me mm -hmm. both of them we speak with each other english when we first moved to the states my parents insisted only Hebrew in the house. Mm -hmm. So minority language in the house, yep. you know, language, you know, to it's preserve. It's a very the, good method, yeah, to preserve the minority language. Preserve the minority language in the house. In outside, you get enough English, fine. And, and so it worked to a certain degree. Then there came a problem. The problem was I went outside, I went to school. Mm -hmm. And then it started, the English started to come in. Yeah. And, and then Karen, my sister was born and we went to school mm -hmm. and the homework started to be in, in, in English. And we started to speak with each other in English. And right. then when the three of us speak to each other, mostly over Skype and, and mm -hmm. FaceTime now, like we're doing, it's mostly in English, but I can't, they understand Hebrew mm -hmm. and, and Karen can speak somewhat. Lee has a very hard time speaking. The younger it's so one. So interesting that the three of you have such differing so, degrees. It's yeah, and 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 that that also fascinated me. So so <laughs> with my parents, I speak Hebrew, and I speak with them about once a week to say Shabbat Shalom, which mm -hmm. is basically Good Sabbath, yep. right? For for those of us who don't know, you know, 
there's a there's a weekly call that that every, that most Jews make to their parents mm -hmm. Shabbat, shalom, Shabbat shalom because if they don't their parents freak out. Oh, you're gonna hear it. Yeah, you're gonna hear it from your mom. <laughs> you're gonna hear you're gonna hear it from their mom, right? So yeah. Shabbat shalom. So that's in Hebrew, and again, that's not a very that's not a very you know we don't go very deeply into a lot of things. It's basic Hebrew. I mean, I've, yeah, I've talked about this, how when I, people would say when I was first learning Polish, like, oh, wow, like you just talked to your boyfriend in Polish, like your Polish is so good. And I was like, you don't realize we say the same thing every single day when we call. Like, yeah, where I, are I, you? What are you doing? You know, it's the I, same I, conversation, I, more or less. <laughs> I, I say, I say, I say every morning. Dobranos, I say every night. Yeah. You know, these are things when you, when you learn them, you say, you know, you say these things. So, I mean, and parenting little kids too, like there's a lot of repetition, you know, it's, it's not hard to raise a kid bilingual when there's, it's such a small vocabulary right now. Absolutely. It's not like they're reading Proust or, or you know, oh God, or, no. or, 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 or Cervantes or you know, exactly. who else, right? So the Hebrew, I mean, I, look, I, and this is another thing that's really, that's, that's really another advantage for me. And that's how I really stay connected. Heaven forbid we talk about politics, but take news, <laughs> right? Yeah. So, so what's important? What's important, and what, and 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 the different um, points of view that, that everybody has. So I still understand the Hebrew. I do. <laughs> okay. Hi, we're back. We're back. Yes. Yes. Um, so, um, the 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 last thing I think we talked about, started to talk about, was active versus pa passive learning mm -hmm. and and how one learns and how one best learns and i mean everybody sort of has to has to figure out their own you know way to best to, to learn best mm -hmm. um you know and and everybody has to find their own sort of technique for themselves uh, because of my because of the cp and my my physical condition and so on I have always had a hard time um, uh, doing anything sort of physically related. Mm -hmm. So uh, I, I didn't, I never, for example, took notes in a class in, in a way that, you know, most students would take notes uh, mm -hmm. because I can't, I can't physically write. Uh, and because I have what is, you know the type of CP that is known as spastic quadriplegic, meaning my muscles are, you know, all, in all four extremities. Uh, I have very high tone, which means my muscles are always tight or mm -hmm. sort of in, in the on position. You know that that includes every muscle in my body, including muscles in my eyes, oh, which wow. makes uh, reading for extended periods of time very very difficult, mm -hmm. uh, tiring basically. Yeah, I can uh, imagine. And so what that what that does or, or what that has forced me uh, to do, uh, you know, and to adapt to in a way was, you know, I began to realize very quickly that I learned best auditorily. Mm -hmm. So I have this, or at least when, my mem when I was younger and less stressed and, and there was less nonsense going on in the world, yeah. uh, I, I had this, I had this, again, sort of the superpower that said anything I heard stuck, mm, you know, that's uh, great. literally anything I heard stuck, wow. uh, but, but anything visually 
you know, which is why I always had difficulty with math and things of that sort, because that's more of a visual thing, but anything I heard would stick. So I, and I, I think I, you know, I told you this when we were on pause, uh, was that all of my college work, undergraduate and both master's work, were done on audiobook. Or, mm-hmm. and, it, and if it wasn't on audiobook, then I would get the materials scanned to me and then the computer would read it to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and most of my professors were very accommodating and they would allow me to do uh, papers uh, in audio format. So I would record them mm-hmm. rather than actually write them. This, you know, I could present the ideas and I would, you know, and I would basically get the same idea across, yeah. but I could, I could do it in a way that was physically less, you know, less stressful. And I could also that way do it on time. I wouldn't have to end up taking 52 incompletes and mm-hmm. so on and so on. I mean, that's how I took my, my comprehensive exam and so on. And, yeah, and I mean, college course. is stressful enough for everyone, just having all those papers and to read and to write. And so it's good that they accommodated because it would right. be so, so much more of a just hassle. <laughs> so much more in, work. In the world of education, the accommodation has gotten, you know, has gotten to the point where it's it's quite, you know, a lot more advanced than it used to be. And, and people are a lot more accommodating and understanding. I wish that would be the same, you know, in, in real life and in the work world, but that's mm-hmm. um, still coming. Another, another, but another, but very related story. That's why I have never been able to actually hold down a paying job, or mm-hmm. part of the reason why. That also goes or or is related to how I learn and process languages. Um, there is obviously. A, you know, an auditory component to languages. And that's how I pick things up because mm-hmm. my, you know, uh, it, that lends itself to it. Yep. Now, perfect grammar. I understand grammar. I know grammar. I learned, I, I know a lot more about English grammar because I know all the, you know, I learned all the other languages and their various yeah. grammars <laughs> as well. But, but so when I say, you know, the difference between active and passive learning, um, to this day, I'll do, a, you know, because we're we're in South Dakota and we're in the middle of cold, which is in the middle of nowhere to begin with, very few people, and there's the middle of COVID and, 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 and it's, I'm in the chair, which makes leaving the house in general a challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, my, most of my engagement with language is passive. Let's put it this way. Um, YouTube videos uh, and Netflix uh, is my, you know, is my friend, uh, <laughs> very much so. I actually will, will, will go and will look specifically at anything I watch and see if there are options for uh, other languages. And if there are, I will, I will, take advantage of it mm-hmm. uh, luck- luckily because I have you know most of the romance language in fact I think all of the romance language is more or less under my belt Romanian you know, maybe one one more uh, Romanian not okay rom- not Romanian not yet 
Not yet. But that, that might be coming at some point. Thank you for reminding me about Romanian. Why, why does everybody forget somehow about Romanian? It's it's not fair to the Romanians. My our 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 our, our heartfelt apologies to the Romanians. Yes, um, we we but, see you. Yes, hopefully we see someone you. is studying. Romanian. We see you, we see you, we hear you, and we love you, and we apologize. And yes, <laughs> um, but yeah, not Romanian, not yet, but hopefully soon. Um, but um, you know, so. The, the most of the romance languages are under my belt german i would say pretty close to fluent mm -hmm. uh, if not fluent um so I'll, i'll look for 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 different um for different uh language tracks and so on and if um you know and i also look for anything that is that interests me that isn't in english series and so on um And and so that is that's a, a that's a way that I engage with languages mostly, uh, YouTube videos. I listen to ra uh, radio from all over the world. Um, mm -hmm. I I remember that you mentioned in a recent episode uh, about you know listen expose yourself to the language regardless of the level. Uh, that 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 you're at, mm -hmm. um, I, I I found I found your your bravery with with Korean uh, particularly inspiring. Um, Thank you. I think slow I think going. <laughs> I think I think I'm a I'm might be slightly you know more advanced in Polish than you are in Korean, but I think we're oh, about the yes. same. We're about we're about at the same level. In other words, my Polish and your Korean might be at the same I level. I doubt it. I don't know. I'm sure you know more than I know. <laughs> uh, I, at this point, I can fake it. I'm only, I mean, I'm you said only, you listen to Polski Daily, right? I, I I do. I do, and I listen to the radio, and that doesn't mean I understand all of it, but I, you know, I'm exposed to it. Yeah. And and, and it's and it, it it's a nice sort of emotional connection to to my maternal grandfather, which mm -hmm. is the other the other reason that. That, uh, that 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 that's why Polish. I've I've been able to stick with it, uh, but like I said, I've, I've, with Polish, I have this wall that I would love to eventually break through, um, and I, I have to figure out uh, how and when to do that, and and just mm. do do it eventually. Um, so one positive thing that has come out of the the lockdown and the quarantine is that a lot of the conferences are happening online. Online, so. yeah. Mm -hmm. There's, you know, going to be another one, I think, in May. It was supposed to happen in Poland. Um, it's probably wow. going to be online again. Okay. It was online last year. And there was the Polyglot Conference, the Polyglot Gathering. There's all sorts of, um, I, I partook um, in the Women in Language Conference. So there are lots of things that are happening online. And it gives us a chance to to chat with people. Like there's these open Zoom rooms that you can go in and Right, and, so. and and yeah, and that's a that's a great resource, and I'll 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 have to be more uh, more aware of those and, and and check those out, and and you know yeah, it's part of knowing that they're coming. No, <laughs> I missed that, some. Yeah, knowing knowing that they're coming, and and you know finding a way to to do that. You also mentioned um, those Zoom encounters mm -hmm. uh, in in French. Yeah, people are creating all sorts of groups. I think they uh, create them through Facebook or. Um, WhatsApp, and then they decide to meet on certain days. Um, uh -huh. so that, yeah, there's definitely ways to, if you want to bolster your speaking and interaction. It's yeah. we're, we're getting creative. Everybody's had enough of lockdown and had enough of lockdown. Well, being I, alone or 
or with yeah. their one person or few people or however many people are in your household we're all just <laughs> needing other people in our lives for sure. yeah it's it's you know it's interesting i I think if I were to 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 think about my my personality type and so on, believe it or not, as much as I have been talking during this interview, I am an introvert. Introvert, mm -hmm. um, and that has developed over the years. Um, you know, I've I've always been very good at sort of you know creating my own space um, for myself and entertaining myself because the world sort of all the able-bodied people around me would just run around and, and I couldn't keep up. And mm -hmm. so I would just invent things in my head and, and be with myself. But even introverts like myself need, you know, connection every now and again, which is, mm -hmm. why, which is why I think, you know, this interview and, and, and this time that we have to connect together is, is so wonderful. And I'm so very grateful for it. So well, I appreciate you coming out of your introvert shell to talk with yeah. me. <laughs> it's a pleasure and I, I appreciate the time. Um, and so, you know, but everybody, everybody needs connection and everybody needs to, to, be, to be heard and to be listened to. And that's uh, it's something that, that we, especially now, need to, need to be aware of and finding yeah. ways to, to, to build bridges rather than do the opposite, which seems to be rampant lately very true that at least in, at least in the states so yes um it's yeah but so you know and everybody has to find their own way to to engage with with the language and, and engaging with language is not only engaging with language language is the i heard somewhere i was about to say i read somewhere but it's <laughs> most likely it'll be me i heard somewhere mm -hmm. uh that language is the the primary purveyor of culture Mm -hmm. And and so you know and 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 we define and and the the the, the best the, the first and best way to think about a culture and and what what makes it a culture mm -hmm. is uh, is a shared language and yes. I think that I think that comes from a, that's a, an idea in sociology if I'm not if I'm not mistaken mm -hmm. uh, the exact source escapes me mm -hmm. at the moment that just but, makes so much sense that. I actually, I am, I've asked people on the Instagram, um, you can do like a little story and put a poll. Mm -hmm. And I think I've asked before, like, can you really know a culture if you don't speak the language? Just to see what people said, like, yes or no. And, you know, many people just commented or wrote to me like, I, I, I'm torn because yes, but no. Yeah. Um, but well, I do think it's not as deep of an understanding. Like if you don't speak the language at all, you can read right. as much as you want, but you're getting somebody else's view you're getting somebody else's interpretation and you were saying earlier how there's so many nuances and richness and idioms and just different ways of explaining a situation right. yeah and it gets lost in translation um and things that yeah don't make sense um if we translate them and it changes the way that you're thinking if you're describing a situation a certain way that makes a lot of a difference so that, i think that's absolutely. why we're so passionate about language learning because it yeah. opens up a whole new world of and and for, you know and for the record i i don't have instagram because it's a visual medium and i you know <laughs> photos and such but if i if i had it and i would go on there and vote i would vote absolutely not that that language is you know nece absolutely necessary for culture yeah. um you know because so intertwined the, the the language is it's it's a part of the mentality 
and and by mentality I mean how how does somebody who speaks in that language not only think mm -hmm. but how they think influences and is influenced by how they see the world and and what's important to them and what's not important to them mm -hmm. why certain things are insults and why certain things are not ah, insults and, yes. and so on and so forth this is all and 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 the 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 primary way to 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 convey all of this is through language mm -hmm. uh, whether it's verbal or body language or what have you but mm -hmm. it's all it's all language and and that's where culture starts i mean culture is more than that obviously but connecting you know through language is where culture starts mm -hmm. so it's tremendously important um, you know and and that's and even so sitting here uh, in front of the computer, as I do for so many hours, that's how I connect to the rest of the world is through through the through languages. Because once I once I hear a language, I'm hearing whether the speaker is conscious of it or not. I'm hearing a different worldview and a different way of, of looking at things. Um, so I'm and and I and I and and once I understand that, at least for myself, I feel more connected than I did before. Mm -hmm which is which is what it's all about i i think yeah. um and i think so, most of us aren't thinking about the way we talk or you know we're not at this meta level of like thinking about how we're thinking all the time because that would just it would be exhausting <laughs> um, well, and i think that's part of the beauty yeah. of it too is that people are just naturally projecting you know they're just speaking naturally not overthinking it and then when us as the the learner taking it in you know we can then digest mm -hmm. it we can then parse it apart if we want and think about the ways that the culture and um, the language are influencing each other but like i feel like most people are just doing their thing you know they're not really overthinking it i would say yeah Maybe most, most, most people well, no i think you're right most people who aren't geeks like us and i say geeks and, and in this way in, in, in the best sense mm -hmm. you know um, and, and like I've said before, let, let, let that, let that freak flag fly. And I'm, I'm, I'm proud of it. And, and, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. I'll, I'll, it's an endearing term for us. That's, that's, that's a hill. That's a hill. I'm certainly will, willing to die on. Let's, let's put it that way. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, most people who are not us don't, don't spend time thinking about, about words and things like that. But I, you know, if, if you, if you were to ask, you know, my wife, Lisa, what are what are some of the most common phrases that that she hears coming out of my mouth? I'm convinced that she'll tell you words are important because oh. they are, you know, the words we use and the words we choose and why we choose them and how we choose them. Mm. I, I don't know. I've I've always found that not only very important, but, but fascinating. Yeah, no, you're you know? so right. And I see it so much with my kids just because, you know, they're learning everything from us and they repeat everything we say or everything we do, like the tone of voice that we take. Um, yeah. They're like little mirrors is how people sponges. describe. Sponges. Yeah. But I mean, mirrors in the sense that they reflect back everything that you're projecting, things that you don't even realize you're projecting mm -hmm. um, ways of, I don't know, just ways of acting that you don't realize that you do or ways of speaking. And then they, they just reflect it back to you and you're like oh wait did i teach you that <laughs> um, and, and, so, and, and, is that, and is that something i want in the world <laughs> right exactly so they're yeah they know how to push your buttons but 
Yeah. It's fascinating and it's important. And there was a time when I wanted to be a rabbi. Mm -hmm. And and one of the one of the things that I find uh, tremendously, you know, interesting and, and powerful is that Judaism holds that that words are the essence of creation. When we speak words mm -hmm. in, in the Bible, when God, you know, literally all God had to do was speak and things came into existence, yeah. uh, you know, and, and when we speak, we bring things into existence. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. it's, I, I don't want to get too, you know, <laughs> spiritual on you. There is a tremendous power to words. Yes, that and, is a very good point. And we just, we have to be contrary to, to what some people may believe. Words do matter. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and when certain people say certain words, they have some very real consequences, as we're learning here in the United States, right. particularly, particularly this week. Mm -hmm. um, yes, so we are recording on the 9th of January. For those yes. who are wondering what we're referring to, I'm sure you've heard about it. There is a phrase in Hebrew um, that that says, and again, it doesn't exactly translate, <laughs> but it says, Hanevin Yavin. Let he who understands, understand. Mm. In other words, you know, or another way to put it is, and I don't know where this comes from, but those who speak do not know and those who know do not speak. Mm-hmm. So it's it, it, it's it's one of it's one of those things that it's you know, <laughs> um, but I can think of yeah. other proverbs like that that are about right. Um, so staying so, you know quiet and silent but observant versus the right. people that are just talking, talking, talking. And right. So so without you know being explicit about it, I will I will only say hamevin yavin. Let he who understands understand. And I'm glad that you and I Heather understand each other yes. in this case. Oh, yes. And, 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 and so that, I think, is that. So that is the end of part one of my interview with Itai. And I will be popping back into your feed soon with part two, if you are subscribed to the podcast. If you are not subscribed, I suggest doing that so that you don't miss any new episodes. Um, there'll be another episode coming out soon with Marcin as well. So you don't want to miss that one either. And we hope that uh, you enjoyed this first part and that you're looking forward to hearing more of our discussion. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye.